back to the Planet X podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for episode two. Here we pick up our conversation with This Dad Does Disney, talking all about X-Men and the MCU <laughs> comic books. And yeah. Which, of course, perks me up. Right. Uh, which which comics was Teenage Jason reading? Uh, so Teenage Jason, I was introduced to like middle school uh, to comic books by some friends and that um, X-Men was my jam. It's still my favorite superhero group. Fantastic Four very close behind them, but it was just what I loved about mutants. I felt like I was a mutant. I was an outcast. No one understood me. I was special and people just didn't understand that. And they wanted to hold me back. Like that's what mutants are. Like mutants are like the degenerates of the superhero world. Uh, they're not cool. They're, you know, according to them, but they're cool to us, obviously. And like, I wanted to be like, I wanted to go to school in New York in, in professor X. Like I wanted to be there. Like I wanted to be around people who were like me, which were different. And that's what X-Men was for me and still are like, I still just love X-Men. So that was my kind of my introduction to them. And I was in, and like, obviously I watched the nineties Saturday morning cartoon of them as well. But what was cool about comic books to me was X-Men was the, once again, like the gateway drug, like the first taste of it, but I didn't, fathom the marvel universe in that way like then the crossover started happening and then i was like this is amazing like I, my comic senses were great now i wasn't a big avengers guy but i was always x-men fantastic four was just so great and what i fell in love with more as i got older in the comic books was magneto magneto is my favorite supervillain of all time uh because of his story it, you know being you know you know a Jewish man that went through the Holocaust and lost so much, you know, and this, just, just the amazing storytelling. And yeah, like it made me feel like I love the mutual respect between Magneto and professor X because they did love and care about each other, but they just totally disagreed with what mutants role was in this world and how, and yeah, I, X-Men was my my jam and still is my jam today, and which makes me more excited about WandaVision and the future of the MCU. But uh, but X-Men okay. but X-Men did get kind of crazy there too. Like they started splintering off into X-Force and all these other things, which made it extremely confusing for teenage Jason to kind of keep up with, which kind of got me out of comic book for a little bit of time until I got back into them. And that's where you know more of the Avengers and the MCU kind of brought me to them. Yeah, you know what? Little Kyle like lived and breathed uh, Uncanny X Men growing yeah. up. So I actually I think Uncanny X Men was about the only book I ever like had a subscription to, where once a month I'm hitting the mailbox and I both love it from the fan perspective and hate it from the comic book collector perspective because my books were never in good condition. Yeah, you're uh, like, if if little Kyle would have known, hey, man, buy two and just have one sealed. Like, that's it. Like, just keep that one on the side. It'll be worth a lot one day. But it, it solved a problem for little Kyle because little Kyle could not always get a parent to take him to the comic book store. Like, that, I had to kiss some ass. I had to do some chores to get a trip there. So... Now, I was fortunate because we had a comic. I, I lived in Lake Charles, Louisiana at the time, and we had a comic book store. Was It was on Nelson Road. I remember exactly where it is. It's no longer a comic book store anymore, but uh, but it was bicycle range. It was kind of far outside the bicycle range, and we kind of had a lot of parents to tell them like how close it was when it wasn't like you had to cross two major roads in Lake Charles to get to it. 
uh, per bicycle, but we did. And uh, I was very fortunate to not have to worry about parents bringing it. The, the, the trouble was how to acquire that money, which I'm not going to talk about how we acquired that money on this podcast, but we acquired it and, um, and we spent it on comic books and junk food, which looking back was pretty innocent. <laughs> it was pretty innocent. Now looking back on it. Biking distance. Cause uh, <laughs> I was I mean, very fortunate I'm, for that. Yeah. I'm like it was great away in Pineville, Louisiana. And honestly, yeah. we had the best comic book store I've, I've actually really ever set foot in. So a little wow. place called major league cards and comics. So it is long defunct owned by a gentleman named Alan cannot remember his last name. And it was kind of his side bay. He was a basketball coach, and I think he closed it because he got a collegiate basketball coaching job at, like, Louisiana College. I would say right, to yeah. keep, keep the comic book store. Like, <laughs> don't coach Division three basketball in Pineville, Louisiana. I think like, you've made it. <laughs> just, just have the monopoly on the comic book scene. So right. big floor space. And what people, what comic book fans will not appreciate about that time period is comic books were literally everywhere. Yeah. Gas station, comic books. Drugstore, comic books. Walmart, comic books. Yeah. I, you could, I mean, or Kmart. We had a Kmart in Lake Charles that also had a pretty good comic book selection too every once in a while that we would go hit up. So Jason's an X-Men fan. Mm-hmm. We're going we're gonna to start walking towards the MCU. Uh, we Kevin can now. <laughs> Kevin Feige comes to Jason Bro. Yeah. Says Jason, I've heard your I've heard your podcasts. I'm bringing X Men into the MCU. Jason Bro, how many movies are we doing? What storylines are we gonna tell in X Men? What are we putting on screen for the X Men fan that we have not seen? Oh, okay. So. I'm assuming we're saying this question in a way of right now what we have and what we know that's coming. So I have to figure it out. I, I say on... fanboyed out because I. Oh, okay. Got, we'll blow it out. All right. I've got arcs that I love in X Men that probably wouldn't they would not work in the MCU, but I would. Yeah. You I could would force it in there if you wanted to. Put them on screen. Okay. So I think the. I guess the way that I would do it is a little different than compared to everybody else because I look from it from a. Disney perspective, uh, where where can I get the most impact and how, how can I tell a great story that doesn't go over the top of our casual fans, which is something that me and you've kind of discussed with Mephisto being kind of the rumored person inside of WandaVision. That's a really hard concept to nail. Do Can they do it? Yes. Do I think there's hints to how they're going to do it? Yes. But obviously I digress, but I would do the same thing with X-Men where how can I bring along the casual fan to want more instead of just dropping uncanny or dropping X-Force or just dropping Weapon X or whatever that is, you know, House of M, however you want to do it, where it doesn't kill the fan base. Because I think that's kind of what happened with Star Wars, which, like, it's so much content to overload where you can intimidate fans. And I know that's weird that people don't understand that, but most nerds are introverted and don't like that kind of like feeling of popularity you want to it's a fine balance you want to keep it cool and keep it where the you know, fans like kyle and i want to go yeah they're doing it right and kind of like mandalorian right but you also do want to bring this common fan along on the ride because you want to attract more people so you can make more money but also like 
make the content more popular and, and it just makes everybody happy. How would I bring X-Men into the MCU? All right, Kevin, sit down. You're going to want to sit down for this one. So I think what WandaVision is doing is good. I think the House of M where the Hex can explain how this happens to an extent. I think there's got to be some more story building there because I think the snap and the, and the blimp have to play a part in it some way, shape, or form. But what I'm going to look at, because I'm not going to touch WandaVision right now, I'm going to say what's coming in the future. I think the Eternals is going to bring along like the idea of what genetic code means inside of Marvel, because you have, you know, the Inhumans and the humans and the, you know, all that kind of stuff that I think Eternals can kind of nail home the historical aspect of what that looks like without saying X-Men. But if we're going to introduce X-Men, what better place to introduce our first real X-Men into Winter Soldier. Oh, well, Falcon and Winter Soldier. There's a rumor, and, and the rumor is pretty much confirmed because the flag of Magnapore is inside of the trailer for um, Falcon and Winter Soldier. And if you have no clue what that is, that's a make-believe world inside of Marvel where all of the bad guys kind of hang out. Like, it's a foreign place. And, and I love that we're expanding the universe. Yes, 100%. Keep it bringing. Like, keep, like because we know we're going to see the timeline and the uh, TVA inside of Loki and stuff like that. I uh, keep the, They're doing it right. And we should appreciate that as fans. But I would start off with bringing in little nods of people who haven't had their X gene triggered yet. So in WandaVision, I would love to see Henry McCoy, uh, Hank McCoy, which is AKA beast, but not in the beast form yet uh, introduced in WandaVision. I would love to see shameless plug. Yes. So currently planet X pod and this dad does Disney join forces every Friday night to give you live reaction on the latest episode of WandaVision. So if you go back and listen to this past Friday's episode, This Dad Does Disney is on record wanting the engineer to be Mr. Hank McCoy. Yes, I want that to be because I want it to be subtle where fans like you and I are like, <gasps> here it is. Like, that's enough. That's it. You know, it's not X-Men. It's not introducing X-Men, but it's introducing the characters into this world in a sense it makes sense. And then whenever he triggers into Beast, you're going to be like, oh, that, but he's from WandaVision. I, I think it's brilliant story. I would love Sabretooth to be introduced in Falcon Winter Soldier in Magnapore. I think like, but not Sabretooth, but the character, I, I, I can't remember his name offhand, but I would love to see almost a villain now introduced, which would now lead to Weapon X being something that is going to Maybe be an in-scene credit for Winter, uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, but Weapon X has been kind of subtly little, little hints. But like, I, I, I'm not saying we need to see Wolverine here yet, but once again, introducing characters like that sprinkled out into this Disney Plus, because I would love to see, you know, what happens with Loki, you know, anything like that. But I, all right. So I think Wanda, also Professor X, I'm, once again, if you do not have stereo app, go download it. It's a free app. You can listen to me and Kyle every Friday talk about this. But I, and I think Kyle agrees with me. I want to make sure I get you on record too, that we believe the major cameo that may happen in WandaVision will be Professor X. And I think he's got to be the one to tie this all together. And I, I think he will be the introduction of X-Men to us because 
you can't have X-Men without Xavier and you need Xavier to kind of be the one to start this. Now where the trick happens is Patrick Stewart can't be forever, you know, who that is. I think that does need to transition to somebody else eventually, but I think with the multiverse of madness and everything going on, I think this is the way you have to do it is get him to kind of pass, get him to get the torch, to pass the torch to somebody else. Um, But I think that would probably be like, you have to splice this all together because you, you can't just do what you can do with fantastic four, fantastic four, the first Marvel family, like you have to give it its own standalone movie and you have, you can do that. They're easy to do. X-Men is something that you can't just say, here is an X-Men movie. Go. You can't do that. Like it needs to be sprinkled in every single thing going forward until we have that cosmic event or until we start to like build it out enough where then you can see the culmination of an X-Men movie coming. But that you have to slow burn them. You can't just throw out an X-Men movie and go, they're here now because they're mutants. And the story of mutants are very, very complex inside of the comics that you can't just do that in the MCU. What are your thoughts about like how, because I think you can't just throw an X-Men at the problem unless it's Professor X. Professor X is the only anomaly here that if you throw him into the MCU, he can fit just about any storyline that you're going into. But anybody else that you throw it, it, it becomes a kind of a difficult line to follow. So I, if you listen to last Friday's episode, I was basically ranting that I thought mutants <laughs> had been here the whole time, right? Right. Because I think you can use what you see in Deadpool 1 with the X-Men and the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier to say they've been there the whole time and just keep to themselves. And there's precedent in the comics, too, of mutants having more exclusive societies not working for that you know, unified humanity. But as they say in the big Lebowski, new shit has come to light, man. Yes, they have. Love that meme you sent to me. I want to recant some of what I, some of what I saw or some of what I said on Friday night. Uh, I'm basically spent yesterday. I watched uh, Thor Ragnarok because I specifically wanted to see some of the scenes with Doctor Strange and that one, because I'm moving more, I'm still on Professor X coming in to WandaVision, but I don't think that he's necessarily in the world anymore. I think Doctor Strange, you know, kind of how he does in uh, Infinity War, where he kind of, he games out all the different scenarios to burst the hex, Because right now we have competing realities and whose specialty is protecting reality. It's Doctor Strange. So I think he's going to have to use the time stone. He's going to have to figure out what's the best way to deal with this and basically use the mystic arts to basically bring mutants in to, or basically mutants from another reality into what is currently the MCU. Now, whether it's just Professor X in this show or if he, they, if the we see like a portal open and the whole team comes through, remains to be seen. But I, I think Doctor Strange is going to be what gets us there. So, 
Part of me would be disappointed if it was Doctor Strange as a major cameo, which he fits all the check boxes. Don't come at us and say in game, in game, Infinity War. They never shared a scene together, Vision and Doctor Strange. So they absolutely, and once again, a quick plug for new rock stars, please go subscribe to him today well, so, like, I mean, and tell I him Jason Patrick and Kyle Stewart, said, but, Patrick Stewart absolutely could still be the big cameo. Oh, yeah. I, I agree, what, but I think, but what but Disney I think, showed us with The Mandalorian is they mm-hmm. absolutely. And this is a rare feat in the age of the internet is they can still keep something a secret. Right. Like we all thought Sebastian that Luke Stan moment. was going to be Luke if we saw him. Yeah. And it was, I mean, I have feelings about what I saw. Uh, as it was perfect for what it, it was perfect for what it needed to be. It was an impact moment. We know that we're not going to see that CGI Mark Hamill anymore. Like maybe one more, maybe, but like, for that moment, I am totally okay with what that is. I know a lot of people have been critical about the technology and how it kind of looked and filled, but like, no, nah, like, you know, the story they're telling, it was brilliantly done. It was hidden. It was great. It was everything it needed to be. Like if you're critic, if people criticize too harshly, the Luke moment inside of Mandalorian, like get out of here, like stop. Like Mark, John Favreau is giving you close as close as you could possibly get as a Star Wars fan to perfection. And if you're going to criticize that moment, get out of my life. Stay in 2020. Like, you know, yeah. It was literally like. It was just as close as perfect as you can get. If you were impressed by Vader cleaning out that Corvette at the end of row one, Luke literally says, hold my beer. Right. Takes out the dark troopers. That was the epitome of lightsaber combat on screen. With the force, like it was just in that green lightsaber moment, it was just chills, chills, man. Like I was, I remember, like, God, we're getting like, on Star Wars again, but that's I know, but but you're you're making a great point in marrying both of like where Marvel's going to have their quote unquote Luke moment, which I'm also kind of worried that they may have hyped this up a little too much because if it is Doctor Strange, I'm not putting that on the same level as a Luke moment. Sorry, like Doctor Strange is good, and I would be like, "Oh, okay, cool, it makes sense." I see what he's going to do, but it's not a Luke moment. And I and and if if this is the pick of that's that cameo, I'm going to be slightly disappointed. Won't be mad. I won't be like, "Oh, WandaVision sucks." Like that's not what I'll do. But like, you may have hyped it up a little too much. Now, if it is Patrick Stewart, you you nailed it. That is a Luke moment. That's amazing. That's exactly what needed to happen. I will say people like you and I, people like new rock stars who are basically putting content out based on theories, mm-hmm. we absolutely run the risk with Vision of making it more complicated than it actually is. Uh, I oh, think yeah. there's readings of WandaVision where you can say it it is all Wanda. It's really just her, that she is the villain, and that's okay because – there are some excellent stories out there. I'll go back to Star Wars with Revenge of the Sith, uh, Dark Knight. It's fun to see a hero corrupted. Yeah. And the reasons they get corrupted. I mean, Wanda's got Anakin Skywalker written all over her. She just wants her husband. She just wants her kids. I mean, why did Anakin go over to the dark side? So... If it's just Wanda, it's absolutely enough. But mm-hmm. going back to X-Men. So let's fast forward. They're there. We've got okay. the team in okay. the MCU. 
what's the X-Men movies you want to see in the MCU? Ooh. So standalone, you know, team ups. Where do we go? Well, I, all right. So I know we're going to do it. I, I think X-Men versus Avenger movie would be phenomenal. I think that would be really, really cool. Okay. I think that would be something that I would like to see. I think obviously you're going to see Magneto and try to, you know, do Magneto things. That's going to be a type of movie, but the one that I would probably be most excited about, because I have to take out house M because that's my favorite, because obviously they're doing that now would be apocalypse. Apocalypse is just such a fascinating villain that would be phenomenal to be a like a Thanos threat to everything Marvel. Um, I think that would be really cool. Now, I know the one that you might be trying to squeeze me into would be, I, I think this is the time I'll talk about this. Um, I think uh, Victor Von Doom, Doctor Strange, need, I mean, Doctor Strange, uh, Doctor Doom needs to come in as almost like you, he looks like a good guy. I want to see him introduced in a way that he works with strange and works with a couple of the Avengers, not so much as like, he's a part of the Avenger team, but like he's helping them because he's ultimate. He's, he's, he's a really, really smart kind of Loki as character where at the end of the day, what Dr. Doom wants is power. That's what he wants. He wants ultimate power. And that's all he seeks for himself. It's always, there's always an angle going back to Victor. Always. He will do something nice, but it's not to be nice to be a part of the team or anything like that. He wants to be ultimate power. So I would like to see him appear in a couple of other things before he comes to Black Panther. And then we see the true side of him that he wants the vibranium, the doom wars and stuff like that, where he then like tries to decimate Wakanda and all those things. I think that's where you could build Victor Von Doom in a couple movies. And like, let him play a role inside of those movies where you think for the casual fan, you're going to be like, you're going to be like, oh, wow, this is a really cool guy. Maybe he can be my favorite Avenger. And then like us fans are like, he's going to destroy everything. He is going to be a major threat. You don't even know it. Like, it's going to be so good because you'll see kind of a little background seating. Like, I think that would be great storytelling where with X-Men, I think like Apocalypse is a Thanos threat that you can bring to the world that being the oldest mutant being this all powerful. And then you can do four horsemen. He can get four horsemen from anywhere inside of MCU. How cool would that be to see him take on, like take Dr. Strange, take some of the old Avengers or take over the Illuminati and make them his horsemen or something crazy level like that. He can be a max level threat that, could bring everybody like even after like maybe after x-men and um avengers uh x-men versus avengers where they're fighting each other he sees that as the opportunity because he's the ultimate opportunist is apocalypse like he just always comes in at the he's so strategic in the way he in the comic books that he doesn't just become a threat for no reason like he builds and plans and he knows his best time to come in and try to make things like what better time as an end credit for the X-Men versus Super uh, X-Men versus Avengers that Apocalypse sees that as the moment to come to Earth and go, yeah, it's time. And they're decimated and he gets four horsemen, super powerful four horsemen, and he becomes an Omega level person. I'd watch it. I'd Hell yeah. A little bit. I'd watch All right. it. So Kyle. One, I want to see X-Men do something fun, something they haven't really done before. Okay. So, 
if if I can start off with a with like just their kind of solo movie, not a lot of crossover. I think something like Taika Waititi doing Mojo World would be Ooh. absolutely bonkers in just the most delightful way. That Mojo would that be would, good. I think that would get a lot of people back in because and there's there's other characters that you can that are in that X universe that you can kind of mm-hmm. introduce. So you can have some fun with that down the line. And Mojo's a perfect level introduction like he's a very popular villain amongst x-men but like yeah oh yeah i totally forgot that's a good angle kyle i like that i'd watch that but here's here's where i think you can get some crossover appeal because i and i'm gonna go back to what i what i know and the time period that i absolutely love is around fatal attraction when wolverine or magneto rips wolverine's adamantium out Mm -hmm. and what I think is a great of a great part of that storyline is when Professor X sort of fries Magneto. And I would love to see that on screen because Magneto's been in every X-Men movie. I'm almost tired of I love Magneto, but I'm almost tired of seeing him. I'd like to see him get sort of taken out of the equation for a while. But what what that does to Professor X is what we were talking about with Wanda he takes part of Magneto in, he takes some of that darkness in and it starts to corrupt him. What does he become later? He becomes Onslaught. Onslaught is hands down my favorite X-Men arc. Probably into mm. X-Men fans saying that is probably about as bad as saying I like Phantom Menace for the Star <laughs> Wars fans. But I, I was about to say, it's not a popular take, but I, I'm I'm not as critical as that as you uh, as other X Men fan are. Like I think that is a, it's a dark, when, it's dark, but it's it's when not you bad. Take one of the most powerful mutants, one of the brightest lights in the mutant universe, and he goes as bad as you can go, and basically becomes sort of an evil god unto himself. Mm-hmm. It took the in- it took the entire Marvel universe to stop him. So you mm-hmm. can have that level of crossover. And I mean, he killed, I mean, I know he killed <sighs> the fantastic four yeah. in the comics. So he wiped out a lot of the superheroes going bad. And now, okay, go ahead. You can tie that into apocalypse because I love that, but age of apocalypse. Yeah. Age of apocalypse. Would you? Like, yeah. You go now. Dystopian, that's it. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. I, oh, how good would that be? Like, exa- I, yeah, we're in the same concept. Yours doing a, which I actually like yours a little bit more. Onslaught would be tough for Disney um, because you'd have, but the idea of Apocalypse coming in into an Age of Apocalypse, where then you come back to the MCU and it's Age of Apocalypse and it's been around for you know a while. And like you're like, how are they going to get out of this one? Like Thanos, you could see kind of like, you know, a, a gateway out of it. But man, oh, that sounds good. Now, every now and again, you're going to need a big bad to kill off a few characters when actors yeah. are out of there. Like when you start reading the rumors, of like, oh, well, so and so says they want to do other projects. Like coming soon, X Men onslaught. Oh, that character dies, don't they? <laughs> Literally, just, yeah, everybody. Um, so I, I guess. With X, like, I love Mojo. I think that's brilliant. I think that would be a great introductory super villain that would do both introduce the X Men very well, but secondly, 
pay homage to all of us X-Men fans. I think that would be a really good one. And it could be a great transition out of the multiverse age of MCU where he, you know, it, it still kind of feeds to it. So that would be actually pretty cool. Um, now to what you my, were saying with Dr. Doom, mm-hmm. I want to see him become a staple of the MCU yeah. because he's a staple well, of the comics. And but exactly. But I don't feel right. And that's what I'm saying. I love introducing doom before fantastic four. We know it's coming. And, and I would actually say fantastic four doesn't need to battle doom in their first movie. I think they need to do character to building there. He'll be Honestly, there, and I think end scene credit, or but I don't want to see them. I think that's just, it's Since almost... Disney loves to give shows out now. I would actually <laughs> like a Doctor Doom show for the simple reason is he's always more complicated than yeah. your run-of-the-mill villain, right? He's super so smart because Marvel of the fact of it, yeah. ...have fairly simple motivations. Doctor Doom's he's always in it for himself, or he's always got his own angle. But he's yeah. often not necessarily a villain, just more so an antagonist sometimes. And when you're he... in Madripoor, we've got Wakanda. Uh, Latveria is not a big leap from where we know we're going. So yeah. Just get Latveria in the mix too. And you get. I mean, Which is hard to enter. Yeah. So you bring up a good point with Latveria. Like, I know that some of the rumors are saying that they're, they might say he's from. Um, Oh, well, uh, Scotia, um, where, where's Sokovia? Like, I don't want that. I want him to be from Liberia. I don't want him to be from, uh, Wanda, you know, Wanda and Pedro's place. But, um, I, so I, wh- man, what about Doom and Loki teaming up? Like, how, like that would just be fun too. Like there's so many things when it comes to that, but I, I, I want Doom to be built a little bit differently. And I don't want him in, like, I don't want him to be, he will be a big bad that they will have to address at one point, but I love sneaking him in there for the casual fans. Like, and just making them think like, okay, there's something off, but there's not like, but he's doing some, he's doing some, like, he's just super smart. He's one of the smartest people inside of Marvel, you know, but like, I, I, I love his angle. And I love, like you said, he's not, the big bad but if he gets a hold of that vibranium in wakanda that amplifies his magical abilities he can quickly become a big bad and you can absolutely play that angle but you could character build him a little bit more where then after he attains the vibranium like fantastic four has to come in and swoop in and save the day and that's how you can build an arc to that but like yeah, I, I Fantastic Four, I just think they deserve, after what Fox did to them, um, which is god-awful, um, and if you, please please don't tell me you're a fan of the Fox fa- uh, Fantastic Four, Kyle. So, uh, admittedly, I've I've watched only the first one. Good. And you, I will you, say, I will say it's, it's exactly what I thought it would be, given who made it, and yeah. when it was made. Right? Yeah. Uh, I've not watched Rise of the Silver Surfer. Um, anyone who knows me knows I actually love the Silver Surfer character in the comics. So yes. to see him done poorly uh, would not sit well with me. Um, Galactus was a cloud. A cloud. Yeah, Galactus. Galactus is one of my favorite villains too. And like, yeah, like I, I remember being very. more than a cloud. Right. You don't even see him. Like he's just this big entity. But like, 
Yeah, it, it was just poorly done. And you could tell, like, but I think that's what puts fans like us nervous about what's next in the MCU. Not that we don't trust, but we've seen it done poorly before. And we're emotionally connected as nerds to these stories that we care a lot about and we want to be entertained and we want them to done best. And we have to see, like, we want to just trust in this system. Marvel has done a great job. And I think Star Wars recently has done a great job in giving fans hope for what's next. And that's why I'm not really nervous about what's next in the MCU. I think they're going to handle it well. And I think now from this two prong approach of like, Disney plus theater, Disney plus theater that I, I, the only fear I have for MCU is for star Wars fans. Well, I should say one-on-one beginner star Wars fans. This is going to be content overload because the example that I have, my neighbor across the street, Jason and Amanda, I love them. Now Jason's into the comic books and we've had great conversations, but Amanda's very new to this and she's interested in, in her first piece of Marvel content has been WandaVision, man. Think about that. WandaVision is her first piece and it's confused her to all get out. But what it's done really well is you have this whole Rolodex library at Disney plus where she's like, well, okay, I'm going to go watch this other stuff. So it's done a great job in making you want more, but not intimidating you to go. This is overwhelming. I can't do this anymore. What What I appreciate that what Disney plus does too, is they, they have, they have it laid out in chronological order. So you can you can see wherever you are watching, you can see what comes before or potentially after and watch accordingly. So, mm-hmm. Which kind of leads me to a theory in the age of COVID is that at least for the time being, what we see in Disney Plus, like I think will come to surpass what will be in the theaters. So I, I think it's honestly going to take years for theaters to recover from COVID. But, Which is sad, but I like. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Celebrity theaters, my place, my happy place. No Cheetos popcorn, no strawberry daiquiris, no space invaders. I was about to say, I, your name's protected, though. I Nobody's went out playing. on top. <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> went out on top. Yeah. Um, but also, I think a story came out this week. They're already at nine, about 95 million subscribers. That's and the goal right now. So when they had like when they said their goal was like 55 yeah, I think at this time, the article said I think they're three years ahead of schedule. Yeah, it's insane. Viewership. I'm so happy so I bought Disney have, stock like years ago. <laughs> they have the reason I'm not worried about Disney is because they have all the money. They, they have pay, them. They could. They can recast all the A-list actors. It's just like Oscar Isaac can be like five different people in the MCU. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, I don't care. Like he's he's gonna be Moon Knight. Make him like five other people. <laughs> like I don't uh-huh. care. He's he's fantastic. Um, yeah. So they can keep like all the A-list directors and things like that. More so, I mean Warner Brothers is obviously a big studio. But their resources are li- are not as extensive as what Disney currently has at their disposal. Now, hey 
Hey, Planet Xers, thanks for listening to episode two with This Dad Does Disney. I hope you enjoyed our discussion of X-Men and X-Men in the MCU specifically. Stay tuned later this week for episode three. Jason and I are breaking down the DC universe, our hopes and dreams for the Snyder Cut, and what Disney can do to get back on track and compete with Marvel. Stay tuned. Transmission complete.